This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. It's Ashley Hales, host of the Finding Holy podcast and author of the book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs, Living Faithfully in the Land of Too Much. And here at the Finding Holy podcast, it is my aim to help you connect the dots between the things that really matter and your everyday holy life. So whether you're out on a run, whether you're doing your Christmas shopping, whatever it is that you are finding yourself doing right now, we hope that these four Advent reflections will help you connect the dots between God and His coming in the person of Jesus, and as we wait in joyful anticipation for the second coming, but then also your actual everyday life where you may be sweeping up the pine needles. But we're excited to help you connect those dots between your actual Advent and maybe an idealized picture of what this time might look like. And so I've brought on my friend, Jen Pollock-Michelle. Jen is an author. You can find all the information about her and her writing and her speaking over at jenpollockmichelle.com. And just A little note about one small change here at the Finding Holy podcast. We are joining with Christianity Today's Amplify program. You're going to hear a few ads and cross promotions from some really great podcasts. And so you get to be part of community of supporting really thoughtful, wonderful podcasts and discovering maybe a new one to listen to. So we thank you for your support of the Finding Holy podcast. Make sure you stick around because you'll have one small step to begin to take this into your everyday holy life. Here's my conversation with Jen. Thank you, friends, for joining us here at the Finding Holy podcast. It's a pleasure and a delight to offer you just a few short episodes this Advent season to help kind of center yourself in the real Um, even when you're pining for the ideal and trust that you'll be able to take just one small step into your everyday holy life to begin to connect the dots between the things that really matter and how you actually live. So thanks, Jen, for joining us on this series. Oh, it's been fun. Thanks for having me, Ashley. You are welcome. It's been such a pleasure. Um, And so to start us off, I just want to ask a fun little question. What is your favorite Christmas cookie? Or Christmas dessert, maybe. Ooh, oh, you're going to open it up to dessert. I was going (laughs) to go one thing, but I have this amazing recipe for um, a plum cake. Mm. And it is not, like, I don't like plums, really. It's kind of weird, but it's one of those that you make it, and um, it's actually better the second day, so you can make it ahead. Oh, nice. And it is so good. It's not super sweet. I I wish I could figure out I can't remember where the recipe comes from. I think it comes from like even like the New York Times or something. Yeah. You yeah. know, but um well, a perfect you, plum tort, I think okay. is what it's called. I'll I'll send you the recipe and you yes. can put it in the show notes. Perfect. Yes. And I was thinking one thing, it was really funny. Our first year that my husband and I were married, um, we had like no Christmas ornaments. And so I like handmade oh. gingerbread men and like hung them on the tree. Yeah. And so, wow. Yeah. (laughs) It holds a special place in my heart. But now it's like, well, maybe we'll just buy the kit at (laughs) with four four kids later and more than 17 years of marriage. We're just going to make it a little bit more simple. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) 
Oh, and but one of my favorite treats that we will sometimes do, and I, I ended up including it in. A, I did a little seasonal hospitality guide for my email subscribers, and I gave them a recipe for millionaire shortbread, which was something we had when Ooh. we lived in Scotland. It's so good. It's called Yum. millionaire. It's really rich. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to know how much butter is in it. Exactly. It's shortbread <laughs> with a caramel layer and then a chocolate layer. So. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> So I'll get to the gym come January. Uh, but we're, we're going to talk about food. So tell us what you are thinking about this fourth week of Advent, Jen. About the yeah. Between food and our longings. You know, I think a lot about food partially because I am the mother of five children. So cooking, I'm cooking all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think food is this huge theme in the Bible. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, to think about Advent and to think about the ways that Jesus talked about his, himself and his mission, you know, he said, I'm the bread of life. Um, so I think that's wonderful to kind of think about. It. And I think we often think about that in this very like, oh, well, he's just, um, you know, sort of making like it's a metaphor right Right. you know but actually um maybe there's even something more to it because if you look at the very beginning of genesis what is god doing he's feeding his people Mm -hmm. he's saying look at all these trees in the garden they're all yours to eat except for one and then you know you go to the story of israel and it's um i'm gonna take you to this land that um flows with milk and honey Mm -hmm. and he's always talking about the grain and the wine and the oil, um, Mm -hmm. all these promises that are sort of uh, tied up in the food um, and in the wine. And I just think we don't think about that enough. Um, But I think at Advent, it's a wonderful time to think about the food because food is so central to our celebrations Mm -hmm. and um, we're gathering people around our tables. And so there's there's an invitation into thinking about it in really, in a lot more deliberate and theological ways. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So how has that maybe infused your own, yeah, the baking and the butter and the cooking, you know, has some of these sort of theological reflections about the importance of food and the promise of the gospel, you know, Jesus is the bread of life kind of, has it helped you cook differently? (laughs) Mm. Well, it's constantly kind of taking me back to the purpose of cooking, you Mm. know? I mean, because I think aside from, I mean, honestly, no, actually like Christmas, sometimes Christmas comes and you're like, I've already, I already do a ton of cooking and now I have to do more cooking and right. baking. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like <laughs> who do these people, plus there's still the laundry. I mean, really. I know, <laughs> you know, and so the, you can really feel kind of under the pile with it. Mm-hmm. And I think it, unless you return to the whole purpose of it, the whole right. kind of meaning behind it, it can become so onerous. Yes. And so I just always am remembering like, okay, why is food so important? You know, well, mm-hmm. when the gospel is actually, you know, told, proclaimed in a meal and somehow God mm-hmm. thought it was so important. Meals were actually so special that he was going to tell the, the whole story of Jesus in a meal. Yeah. And he was going to gather his people together around a table And I think there's just something incredibly holy about that. So kind of just sort of reminding myself brings me back to the why. Right. But I also think there's, um, 
I think we have such disordered relation. We have such a disordered relationship to food in our culture today, especially as women. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I already told you how old I was in your <laughs> <laughs> in our first conversation. Yeah, yeah. I am 45. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, newsflash: metabolism <laughs> slows down, and you don't, you can't eat as many cookies as you used yeah. to be able to. Um, at least as mindlessly as you once did. And I just think that. There's all this pressure. Uh, I mean, I, I, I feel it as much as anybody else to be thin, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of have a body that you don't feel embarrassed of. Um, yeah. And I think what happens is we deny the pleasures of eating. Yeah. Like we deny ourselves the pleasures of eating. And um, I think that that would be a real mistake at Christmas time, mm-hmm. you know, is to just like mm-hmm. focus on like, oh, the, counting all the calories. Instead right. of saying like, this is a season, there's actually, it's actually kind of a season to enjoy, to indulge, yeah. to mm-hmm. receive the gifts that God's mm-hmm. given us, mostly mm-hmm. the gift of Jesus, but um, to think about the other kinds of gifts that he gives. And so just to sit around our tables and to receive chocolate and butter and yeah. flour even, yeah. I'm sorry for people who can't handle gluten, <laughs> right? but if you can, like em- embracing mm. flour as a gift, mm-hmm. um, think there's a way that Advent can kind of lead us into a more ordered relationship with food. Mm, Yeah. I love that. You know, I I was struck when I um, watched the Netflix series, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat with Mm. uh, Samin Nasrat, and she has a a cookbook by the same name. Um, And she's this Iranian American woman who lived in Italy and she lives in the Bay Area. And I was just struck watching her eat and she travels the world and kind of looks at their different cuisines and how they work with these four elements. And I was like, I have never seen a woman eat like with such pleasure. Mm. Um, and it was, it was really impactful to be, to, to watch this woman who, um, knows so much right about the food and the chemicals and all of their makeup. And yet, to find a, a really childlike pleasure, um, in, mm. in the taste and the texture. And, um, it felt like, you know, seeing the gospel a little bit, like that there's something mm-hmm. so beautiful to be enjoyed and received as a gift, um, rather mm. than controlled and managed for, mm-hmm. you know, this very selfish outcome of, you know, staying a certain size or, you know, worrying about what people think. It felt like it it was, it's much more of a generous sort of posture to Mm -hmm. be able to participate in good food, right? Mm -hmm. Than to restrict food because you are so kind of self-obsessed really, right? Yeah. There's, you know, it's just this, there are these kind of two faces of faith, of the practice of faith, you know, and there is an asceticism, you know, involved in faith, but that's not the only face of faith. Yeah. Um, And so I think just embracing when we can um, the kind of rightful um, enjoying of God's good gifts and, and food is one of those. I Mm -hmm. mean, it really is. And, and, and I don't think, you know, it's food, it's not fast food. You know, right. I think one of the things that we also kind of guess maybe one of the paradoxes is that, you know, good food takes a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and that's, again, sort of an invitation in Advent is that, oh, this is a busy season. And but the last thing I want to be doing is spending all my time in the kitchen, you know, yeah. but um, it's a gift that we give to ourselves and a gift that we give to others when we sort of take the time to 
prepare good food. We'll be back in just a second. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At BOW, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Now back to the conversation. Of course, we've been having some conversations with my family about how we can, can complain less about the food that is served. <laughs> yeah. Because I guess good is a bit of a subjective term. <laughs> so some of the things that I prepare are not always as appreciated by right. some of the, the customers. <laughs> right. <laughs> Around your own table. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Um, you know, so there is an element of slowing down to appreciate. Um, and I think, you know, your point about you know, it's not an either or, right? It is a both and. There is both kind of the discipline and asceticism and, you know, choosing to participate in the life of the church and the life of God and the mission he's called us to, even if we don't feel like it, right? You know, mm -hmm. and so it can look like suffering, pain and sacrifice, but it can also look like indulgence and, you know, being able to receive and, um, you know, an excess that is, not maybe born of, you know, our bank accounts, but rather, you know, an excess that is, we realize that all good gifts come down from God. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a, I, we actually just um, celebrated American Thanksgiving. Yep. I mean, that's the time that we're recording this. Um, and I, we'd actually given up on celebrating American Thanksgiving because we live in Canada. We're right. Americans living in Canada and it's just, you just cannot replicate right. American Thanksgiving if you don't have the, th the Thursday and the Friday off. But I had a friend who said that she was thumbing through Bon Appetit and she said, oh, there are all these good Thanksgiving recipes. Let's cook together. Let's, let's do this. And so I said, okay, let's do that. And so we hosted and she and I cooked together. And there was such a pleasure in cooking with her. Mm, mm -hmm. And I think that's another, That I think that's just one of these sort of um, so, like ancillary pleasures of food yeah. um, is that it's best shared in community. Yeah. Um, it best prepared in community. So mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's not easy, for example, to invite your kids to, if you have young kids, to help you prepare things and to be in the kitchen with you. But um, those are kind of the memories I actually remember a, mm -hmm. a, a lot from my own childhood. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, my mom invited me into the kitchen and that's where I started to feel like a little bit of competence, mm -hmm. competency mm -hmm. in the kitchen is because, you know, as a child, I got to like knead the bread and, right. you know, shape the cookies. And 
stir the soup, you know, whatever it was, or shake the flour for the gravy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think that that's one of those, yeah, benefits about really about food is that it's, it's communal. It's mm -hmm. an invitation out of ourselves. Like you said, there can yeah. be such self-absorption in, mm -hmm. um, in asceticism and self and self-denial strangely, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it looks and, like you're, you're not, but yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's still a very, yeah, navel-gazing <laughs> point mm -hmm. of view. Maybe quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you couldn't help it. Uh, but, um, you know, I think that's true. And it, I wonder, too, what the connection is between kind of last week when we were talking about mission and how the mission mm -hmm. of God, right, is communal, right, into a community. And then even this conversation about food, about that too being part of community. And if we carry it over, you know, to the liturgy where the, the sacrament of communion, right, is we we don't do that iso in isolation, right? Mm -hmm. We do it around a communal table. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's not something to be overlooked that serving a meal to somebody is can be part of uh, God's mission. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jesus said you could give somebody a cup of cold water and right. that could be a part of my mission, but that's a great way to sort of think about a practice um, this season, or maybe, you know, as you, as you roll over into 2020, like how can I expand um, my table a little bit and invite some people in mm -hmm. and in, as we, you know, I'm sure you've, you've talked about this a lot. Um, we have to recover a more biblical view of what true hospitality is, that it's mm -hmm. not entertaining, not impressing people by like how amazing your house is and how right. beautifully set your table is and how perfectly roasted your steak is, or whatever you do, yeah. you know, you don't have to do any of that stuff. You know, um, actually I think we should lower the stakes on hospitality. Yeah. I think we should, you know, I was, I was actually thinking, I'd like to host a games night at some point, you know, maybe after Christmas and mm -hmm. right after the new year before people are back to work. Yeah. And I thought maybe I'll even make it like a clean out your fridge of leftovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, just because I think we need more, we need more permission to do it in a way that um, doesn't feel so hard yeah. and so impossible, which, which inevitably provides the excuse for why we don't do it. Right. No, I think that's great. I think, yeah, that that's fun too to think about. Okay, what where could I lower the bar, you know, on hospitality yeah. and yet still welcome people into real community? Because I think most of the time, if you're invited over to someone's home, you know, for an event or something, most of the time, at least where I am, you know, people have paid to get it kind of catered because mm. there's this pressure of perfection and beauty and, and, or just people are so extremely overextended, right? That they don't mm -hmm. choose to spend the time uh, creating something in their own kitchens. Really what we're, we're, we're using our, you know, financial resources, but what it, it really deprives us of real, actual vulnerable community, because, you know, if everything mm -hmm. looks perfect, then how do you talk about, you know, the challenges of your marriage or your work or, you know, family mm -hmm. life or just feeling blah, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> or dealing with the sadness too that comes often at the, at the end of the year. I mean, if every event you think about hosting, you think you have to cater, yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you're, you're going to number on like one thing, one or two fingers, what you're right. going to sign up for. Right. 
if you think of hospitality as just um, the welcome mm-hmm. of um, of God, really, yeah. you know, I mean, God has been spreading His table for His people since the very beginning of time, mm-hmm. and that that's where our you know the future of our lives go into eternity is mm-hmm. this banquet feast of mm-hmm. the the wedding feast of the lamb. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think all of that is accidental that we no. have all this food imagery. I think it really is an, a very practical invitation to say, yeah, eat with people, serve mm-hmm. people food, um, however you do it, right. but lower the stakes so that you're doing it more often than you're yeah. doing it now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I love about that too is this language of food points us right to the second advent, right? Of, mm. of Christ coming back. And what I love about the advent season isn't just to be like a looking backwards of let's think about baby Jesus in the manger, but like you were saying that God is going to return and to bring his shalom and make all the, the broken things whole um, in a a way that we can't even fathom or imagine. And so even as we think about, you know, who am I inviting around my table or who do I want to invite into my kitchen? We, we get to look forward towards his second coming too, right? With hope that yes. And that allows you to, to like, okay, your toddler might be like putting flour everywhere and without hopefully, you know, as we are sanctified that we're not like freaking out, like (laughs) not perfect or the mess is created, but right. We realize, okay, good. God will make all things new, including (laughs) this crazy mess. Right. But we're going to, we're going to stay in this tension right now. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, there, there is, there is a huge tension. Yeah. There's a, it's the, it's the tension that we've talked about in every, in, it seems like every episode, the tension between the real and the ideal. Yeah. And, um, you know, our food celebrations don't ever really reach the ideal. You know, right. we don't, we don't serve perfect meals and we don't serve them on perfectly, you know, decorated appointed tables and, and, um, and we're not the perfect host. Right. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, um, because I think maybe in all those, la- in that lack or deficit, we are looking forward, yeah. um, like you said, to the second advent. Mm-hmm. I think it's so good. I think it just gives us, it gives us a why and it gives us a reason, mm-hmm. right? To continue just the very small disciplines of being hospitable. Like you were saying, showing the welcome of Christ, um, making room for people is another mm-hmm. way I love to think about hospitality. Mm-hmm. How do we make room in our schedule and our time, our attention, our, our thoughts, our imaginations for others? Um, mm-hmm. that, and that's a gift, right? We see Jesus all the time stopping, right? He's trying to do one thing. Someone stops him and he gives them his attention. Mm. I'm reading Acedia and Me, rereading mm-hmm. Acedia and Me by Kathleen Norris. And one of the things that she just, she just talks about the art of caring mm. and it really is the art of giving your fullest attention. And I don't know, there's, there's something lovely about that, you know? Also, it's kind of like a low stakes, high stakes thing. Like oh, yeah. low stakes. Okay, I can give my full attention to someone uh, this Christmas. Um, I think, I mean, right. <laughs> you know, like <sighs> attention. Uh, but actually, that actually may be one of our most valuable gifts in an age yeah. of distraction is to yeah. be able to give somebody that the fullness of our attention. And there's, there's a lot of attention that goes into um, preparing a meal for people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's something that we can offer with that fullness of attention. Mm, I love that. Thinking about lower stakes things. Um, 
I'm going to do a Christmas Eve brunch. Mm-hmm. I've, I've usually done a dinner and I just thought this year our service is at two mm-hmm. and I thought I could have people over at 11, you mm-hmm. know, and brunch kind of feels a little bit easier yeah. than Christmas Eve dinner. Like mm-hmm. I can, I know a couple like quick, you know, whip through some things and, mm-hmm. and you know, people can bring fruit and whatever. It's not, it's not hard. Yeah. Um, and it just sort of like took the pressure off of, I'm going to have to make this like perfect, you know, roast and. Right. And time for, it with the service. And, exactly. Yeah. Like, okay, no, I could do like eggs. <laughs> yeah. Bacon. Yep. <laughs> Fruit. Yep. Someone bring, a, you know, something breaded and you're all good. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <you're- laughs> uh, well, thank you, Jen. It's been such a pleasure. Be sure to pick up her book, Surprised by Paradox. She has a whole section on the incarnation and it might be one of those lovely resources to help you this season and into your new year to begin to consider the paradox of what it means to be a believer in this kind of secular, digital, busy age that we live in. So Mm. thank you, Jen. It's been so fun to sit down and chat with you. Appreciate you coming on the Finding Holy Podcast. Thanks so much. All the best on your own Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany seasons. Friends, I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Jen Pollock-Michelle and I as we chatted about food. And make sure you head on over to the show notes to get um, both my little hospitality guide when you sign up to be an email subscriber, as well as Jen's lovely recipe for a plum tort. So those are fun to add to your little holiday repertoire. But as we consider this distance between an ideal version of what this time might look like through the month of December and January and our actual lives, it's easy to get discouraged and it's easy to choose to not welcome people to our tables because it just feels too impossible. And so I want to leave you with one small step where you can begin to take this into your everyday holy life. And here's your one small step. Simply right now, maybe in the month of December, I'd love for you to look around your table. Look at your family, look at your friends and your roommates and your colleagues and people who are normally and naturally around your table and just ask yourself, who needs a spot at my table? Maybe it's a lonely neighbor. Maybe it's someone from church. Maybe it's, you know, even your own family because you're, you know, you so often eat takeout on the run. Who needs to be here? And maybe in the month of December, I'm inviting you to simply pray, like touch your table and pray and ask God to show you who needs to be at my table. We hope that you've had a little bit of encouragement to embrace your real Advent and to bring that to Jesus and to connect the dots between the things that really matter and your everyday holy life, whether that's an Advent or not. Friends, it's been such a great 2019. Thanks for being here at the Finding Holy Podcast. Until we come back in January with a special suburban boot camp, make sure that you're listening to some episodes in the archives. Subscribe, rate, and review. Each review helps someone else connect the dots between the things that really matter and our everyday holy lives. Because these big things matter. But so does the laundry.
This episode was brought to you in part by The Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.